0: Welcome to our couch. Take a seat. It's time for therapy.
1: Movie therapy. I'm Kristen Meinzer, culture critic and co-author of How to Be Fine. And I'm Rafer Guzman, film critic for Newsday. In each episode of Movie Therapy, we offer up questionable advice and only the finest television and movie recommendations for whatever ails you.
0: As usual, our disclaimer, we are not real therapists, but we are real TV and movie critics, and we're very excited to be here to help all of our patients today. (laughs) So, Rafer, shall we get started? Do you want to read the first letter?
1: Yes, this one comes from Janae. Janae says, Dear Rafer and Kristen... My partner and I are about to live life on the road in a school bus while my partner films a documentary. I'm still trying to find my way and find a job that fits this lifestyle. What are some movies that will inspire us to try something new and stick together in case we end up changing a big tire or need to hitchhike to the nearest gas station? Love your show. Thank you so much. Janae.
0: Oh, Janae, well, we love you too. And, yeah. Reefer, I'm curious, have you ever had the fantasy of tiny house living or living in a school bus? I think they call themselves schoolies, the people who live on school
1: buses. No, is that you're being serious about this? There's a name for it? Oh,
0: yes. Oh, yes. Oh, I, I confess I watch a lot of shows like Tiny House Nation and a lot of YouTube <laughs>
1: channels where people live in tiny, tiny houses. My mom has a tiny house fantasy. Um and, uh, and my wife likes a tiny house. I don't think she, I don't think my wife likes a tiny house. Like a, like a really. <laughs> like a shed. Yeah, I, like, like my mom <laughs> wants, I think my mom really likes that whole idea of, you know, the kind of like the 500 square foot house. Like she likes that idea. Anne's not quite there. I think she likes a cute house. But, um, mm. me, I'm, I'm not like a, I'm not, I don't, need like a bunch of space. I don't dream of like a mansion and a, you know, giant backyard and that kind of thing. But the tininess of it, I don't, I don't think I could do it for too terribly long. I mean, I I think the novelty would wear off eventually. My wife and I have talked about doing an RV trip, especially when the pandemic came along, we were trying to figure out some way of getting the hell out of the apartment. Mm -hmm. And I would do that, but it would have to be for a limited time. How about you?
0: <laughs> yeah, I I actually want there to be a follow up show called Tiny House Divorce because I, whenever <laughs> I watch these shows, I'm like, this is not gonna last. Like this is a couple and their three kids and their six cats and two dogs trying to live in an RV together. Oh and, God! And, and that's not an exaggeration. That's actually me pointing to a real episode I saw recently where I'm like, wow, I don't know
1: about this. I don't. I mean, I. I don't, I don't think overcrowding is that great for you as a kid. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I mean, I, 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 listen, I don't know. I guess maybe I don't, I don't want to be too judgy, but I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I'm not sure I could do it.
0: I mean, th- that's a very different scenario, though, of course, than Janae, who wrote us here. It's just the two of them on a school bus, they're going to be doing a big media project, it's going to be a documentary and so on. So I think this is going to be slightly different than those families where they're driving straight to Divorce City in this RV.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, again, limited time. I think you could do it.
0: Yes, limited time, just the two of you doing the schooly life. I think you'll be fine. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. But as far as the prescription goes, what what do we have here
1: for Janae? Well, I was trying to think of um, less along the lines of the tiny house and the cramped space, but um, and more of the kind of road trip aspect of this. Mm. Um, and so I came up with a movie that probably many people know, and I was surprised that we hadn't recommended it before, um, and that we hadn't found some reason to recommend it before, but I came up with Little Miss Sunshine from 2006.
0: Oh, I is... love Little Miss Sunshine. What's not I to mean, love? Who...
1: Who doesn't? It's such a great movie. And it seemed pretty apropos for this situation because it is about a family taking a road trip uh, in a bus. It's a VW bus, not a school bus. And it's one of these, you know, great kind of simple premises. You've got a a cast of dysfunctional characters thrown together uh, in a vehicle uh, with a goal, and they've got to get to that goal. And what you're really there for is to see all the craziness that happens along the way. So your cast of characters are... Uh, Cheryl. She's a a housewife living in New Mexico. She's played by Tony Collette. Her husband is Richard, motivational speaker, uh, played by Greg Kinnear. (laughs) Um, Their daughter, uh, very adorable. Olive, she's maybe 10 or 11, played by Abigail Breslin. And Olive gets a spot in the Little Miss Sunshine beauty pageant uh, all the way over in California. And so the whole family piles into the van for the ride Which also means coming along are Cheryl's brother, Frank, played by Steve Carell, who just tried to kill himself. Uh, My favorite is Cheryl's son, Duane, Mm. um, the depressed teenager who reads Nietzsche and refuses to speak. (laughs) And then, of course, Alan Arkin, the great Alan Arkin, is Grandpa Edwin, a total degenerate who's just been kicked out of his retirement home for snorting heroin. Here's a clip. Well, hey, I-, I will pull this truck over right now. So I pull the truck over. You're not going to shut me up. Fuck you. I can say what I want. I still got Nazi bullets in my head. Ah, oh, the Nazi bullets. You're as bad as those fuckers at Sunset Manor. Beep.
0: What happened at Sunset Manor?
1: Frank, don't
0: encourage him. What happened? I'll tell you what happened. I paid my money. They took my money. I should be able to do what the fuck I want. You started snorting heroin. You started snorting heroin? I'm old. Well, that stuff will kill you. What am I, an idiot? And don't you start taking that shit. When you're
1: young, you're crazy to do that stuff. What about you? What about me? I'm old. When you get old, you're crazy not to do it. We've
0: tried, believe me. The intervention was a fiasco. It was worse than a two-year-old.
1: Can we please talk about something else? I take it you didn't like it at Sunset Manor. Frank. Are you kidding me? It was a fucking paradise. They got a pool. They got golf. Now I'm stuck with Mr. Happy here, sleeping on a fucking sofa. You know, this was the quintessential Sundance hit, right? This indie film from two first-time directors, a husband and wife team, um, Jonathan Dayton and Valerie Ferris. And, you know, it's kind of the the dark, kind of dark, quirky, edgy comedy, uh, you know, lots of dysfunction and weirdness. And it became this big hit. Um, 100 million bucks at the box office, four Oscar nods, Alan Arkin wins for Best Supporting Actor. But the real reason I'm prescribing it is because it's about this family that's being pulled apart by their own problems. But during the trip, they've all got to kind of pull together and stick together and solve all these problems. You know, they're in this van that has to be pushed in order for it to start. Um, I think it has to reach 20 miles an hour, which is actually quite fast. (laughs) You know, then the horn gets stuck. They're pulled over by a cop. uh, You know, uh, Steve Carell, I think, bumps into the boyfriend that he tried to kill himself over. Greg Kinnear's business is going to hell. Dwayne again. Back to Duane, has one of the greatest teenage freakouts uh, in movie history. In this movie, it's so good, and of course, you and I both know what happens with Grandpa Edwin. But they all got—they've all got to pull together and come through. And you know, there's sort of in the end, there's no setback that they can't overcome. And I think that was what really sold the movie. It's just—it's got a—it's funny and it's dark and it's edgy, but it's also very poignant. And in the end, very uplifting. And so I think for our listener, it'll make her feel like this trip is totally doable. And their trip cannot be nearly as bad as this one. Yes. (laughs) All right. And Kristen, what about you? What are you recommending?
0: Well, I'm going in a less wholesome direction, Um, possibly a less respected direction. (laughs) I am choosing possibly... The uh, most questionable of all reality shows ever made, Naked and Afraid from Discovery. Oh, yes.
1: All right. I've heard (laughs) of it. I have not seen it. Um, (gasps) You haven't seen it, Rafer? No. Oh,
0: my God. Do you know what their tagline is?
1: No. It strips all survival
0: shows down to their bare essentials. Oh, wow. That's because in Naked and Afraid, complete strangers, usually a man and a woman, (laughs) are stranded in a dangerous, desolate location without any food or water or clothes. They really are naked? Oh, yes. They're totally naked. And they're subjected to things like, you know, freezing temperatures, sunburns, bug bites, animal attacks for several weeks. This really? is not for, like, a weekend. It's for weeks at a time.
1: Animal attacks, you say? Oh,
0: my God. There's one where, like, a stingray really injures somebody very, very badly. Wow. Oh, my God. it's It's... Terrible, but fascinating. And they're each only allowed to bring one tool each. For example, a pot to boil water in, for example. One guy just brought rope. So, you know, it's fascinating to see what they think they need to survive and what it takes to survive when you're naked and afraid. Here's a clip.
1: On the very first day in the wild, the survivalists face a moment of truth. Meeting a complete stranger naked Sometimes it's not so bad, but often it's excruciating. This is the most awkward thing ever. All I was thinking about was
0: um, keep eye contact. Stay looking at his face. Just look at his eyes. Just look at
1: his eyes. Just look at his eyes.
0: Don't look at his Don't look at his you know? But then you look
1: at it as soon as you know. (laughs) So it's like you can't really stop yourself, you know? (laughs) I was
0: like, all right, I'm not gonna think about it. I'm not gonna focus on it. I'm not gonna talk about it. I'm not gonna acknowledge it.
1: People seem so uncomfortable and weirded out by the nudity when they first met. I came in with the approach that I'm just going to make it as awkward as I can, right off the bat.
0: Okay,
1: <laughs> I'm Cassie, nice to meet
0: Jessie, you. Cassie
1: Forrest, how yeah. are you? <laughs> A
0: little weirded out, yeah. you know? It's, it's uh, kind of crazy. I was just like, oh God, who is this person? Uh, this is what it is, <laughs> I don't yeah. think it's that bad.
1: What did you call this again? Terrible, but fascinating. (laughs) (laughs) It seems that seems appropriate. Oh, my God.
0: I I, the first time I saw it, I was at my neighborhood uh, LGBTQ uh, cowboy bar branded. You may know it. And one of the bartenders had the TV on and said, you need to watch the show with me. And so (laughs) I somehow ended up watching like six episodes in a row with the bartender. And wow. I've been hooked ever since. This was a few years ago. It's just, oh, you can't look away. I can't well, look you must away. Have
1: been, you must have been drunk at the end of those six episodes, too. <laughs> or you... I may have had a few drinks, yeah. You may have. <laughs> uh, well, it sounds, I have to admit, it sounds pretty funny. Um, you know, my kids I got really into Survivor. <gasps> the, first, they, the first episode of Survivor, they were just riveted by it. Uh, and they didn't continue on with it, but I don't know. Maybe I'll check it out yeah. and uh, see see if they like it. Yeah, and it's very light commitment
0: because Naked and Afraid, each episode is a standalone story. It's not like you have to like on
1: Survivor oh. watch people survive over the course of 12 episodes. Oh, so each episode is its own little contained thing.
0: Yes, that's right. So you watch them try to survive for weeks at a time, but it's all in one tidy episode.
1: Oh, that's very nice. Bite-sized survivalist horror. That sounds good. Um. Exactly, exactly.
0: (laughs) Now, I want to make clear why I am prescribing this. On the surface, it might sound like I'm saying, you know what, no matter how bad you and your sweetheart have it, it can't be as bad as Naked and Afraid. And that may seem like the reason why I'm prescribing it. But you know what? It's not. It is not the reason. The reason I am prescribing it is because on Naked and Afraid, the people who do the best are collective. They're kind. They have a sense of humor. They're willing to try new things. They're willing to make mistakes. They're willing to look at things in new and different ways, even if those new and different ways seem silly. Mm-hmm. And then they just keep trying. And, you know, the people who go in saying, oh, I'm a survivalist. I have lots of guns at home. Those people don't do as well as the ones who try to work as a team. Interesting. And really what makes us work well in any situation, whether we're on a school bus with a significant other or whether we're camping or, you know, living in a New York apartment is teamwork, right? And making sure that we are communicating and getting along with others. And so that's why I'm prescribing Naked and Afraid to Janae.
1: I think that sounds like very good advice. What you're talking about then is, um, you know, focusing on the qualities that you have that will, you know, even if you don't have every single necessary quality, but focusing on the Mm -hmm. qualities that you do have and trying to Play those up and 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 make them work for you. That seems like really good advice, Kristen. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and Janae, uh, tell us what the documentary is when it comes out. I'd love to know. Oh, yes. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. So our recommendations are from Kristen, Naked and Afraid, and from me, Little Miss Sunshine. All right. We're going to take a quick break, but before we
0: do... Do you need some movie therapy? Visit our website, raferandkristin.com, and fill out the contact form. You don't have to use your real name. And while you're there, check out our prescription pad, where we list every movie and TV show we've ever prescribed on the show.
1: And if you haven't already, join the conversation on our Facebook community. That's facebook.com slash groups slash Rafer and When
0: we're back, we'll tackle a letter from someone whose furry best friend maybe isn't always acting like a best friend.
1: That's the IGN Daily Update, wherever you get your podcasts. We're back with our second letter of the week. Kristen, what does our second patient have to say?
0: We're going to call our second patient Anne. N as in naughty. Anne <laughs> writes, Dear Rafer and Kristen... I got my dog almost a year ago. She is my first dog, and I did a ton of research on training before I took her home. I devoured books, YouTube videos, and podcasts, and believed that I would have the most perfect pup because of all this knowledge. The reality has been quite different than I expected. My dog has some pretty serious anxiety, which can occasionally manifest itself into aggressive behavior towards small children and other dogs. For safety reasons, I now have to keep her away from situations where she could hurt someone. That means no dog parks, cafes, family barbecues, or basically anywhere she could possibly run into an off-leash dog or a grabby toddler. She is my best friend and a wonderful dog when we're at home, and I will never stop trying to ease her anxiety through training and medical intervention. However, the truth is that she will never be the dog I imagined she would be. Can you please make some recommendations to help me accept her for who she is and let go of my unrealistic expectations?
1: This is interesting that we got this letter because uh, my mom, uh, her last dog, uh, Daisy, uh, died not too long ago. And so she got a new dog named uh, Simon. And he's a really super cute little guy. I don't know what he is he's a, yeah, a mix he's a mutt uh, my mom only uh, gets rescue dogs and super cute little white floppy haired dog with the hair in his eyes um and little um <laughs> you know little little underbite cute 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 and he will lunge at people <gasps> when my mom uh you know kind of uh, walks him down the street but he's also a little bit like uh do you remember michigan J frog from looney tunes the frog. That oh, would yes, put, of course, with put the, top on the top hat. hat. Yeah, and yes, would sing and yes. dance, but only for the one guy. <laughs> and then if anybody else came along to watch, he would just sit there and not do anything.
0: Hello, my darling. Hello, my sweetheart. Hello. Yeah, exactly. yeah he was that frog, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and now he's just a frog again.
1: Yes, it's a, right, exactly. And so uh, when my mom, you know, tries to bring a, a, a trainer uh, along or um, when she takes Simon on a walk with me, he's just completely well behaved. He's totally fine. Never does anything wrong at all. He only acts up when he's alone with my mom. And uh, it's very odd and funny. But, you know, um, she's just had to kind of deal with it and be patient and kind of, um, you know... um, She's got a little uh, uh, certain kind of harness for him. She, the, the, the whole dog treats thing. She's just kind of dealing with it as she goes. And I think, um, you know, she's just kind of trying to let Simon uh, work out whatever he's, whatever he's trying to work out, you know? And I think the one thing I would say to this listener is you've probably, I think, already arrived at the point you want to arrive at. You do say that she will never be the dog that you imagined her to be. And I think if you... If you know that, um you're kind of you're at least halfway there, if not already there.
0: Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and Reefer, I, I I think this is such an interesting question as far as, you know, accepting your dog on its own terms because I know people who feel this way about parenting where yes. some parents they just can never accept their kids on their own terms. They have those dreams. My child is going to go to this kind of school or accomplish this kind of thing or be a reflection of me in this way and make me so proud. And other parents, I think they realize pretty early on, like, this isn't about me. They're going to be what they want to be or need to be. And it isn't about me. It's about them. And uh, I think that you know some people really struggle with that with their kids. So the fact that our letter writer here, N. For naughty, is already accepting it with her dog means that, and you are miles ahead of a lot of people who have human children. So I just want to <laughs> second what Rafer was saying there and commend you for getting to that point because that's, if you're there, you're at least halfway there and uh, may we all be as good as you are at accepting other creatures, other humans for who they are rather than trying to put our expectations on them. I really think you're doing great. You
1: are. I, I think I think so too. So, so Christian Kristen, Do you have a recommendation for N?
0: Yes. And I'm sorry, it is yet another reality show.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No kidding, Kristen.
0: (laughs) I know this is not your genre, Rafer, but I am prescribing a show called Dogs Behaving Very Badly. It has been around since 2019. It's a Channel 5 original in the UK. It's available on lots of other streaming services. Uh, YouTube has, I think, several, several episodes that you can watch also if you don't have those streaming services. And on Dogs Behaving Very Badly... A master dog trainer named Graham Hall, who, by the way, is also known as the dog father. Arrg. he <laughs> He aims to find quick but long-lasting fixes to almost any dog behavior problem. The series shows Graham crisscrossing the UK to help dogs and puppy owners with behavior problems and Every kind of problem you can think of is on the show. Any problem, name it. He finds a dog owner who has that problem, hmm. and he has hope. He always does because his motto is: any dog, any age, any problem, and he'll be there. Oh, here's a clip.
1: I fear when I walk with her. One point she was, you know, my life savior. Now I'm like panicking when I go out. When Cheryl got Penny, she was a gentle dog who helped her mistress get back on her feet after a period of depression following the loss of her dad. Penny got me out of a really dark place. That was my dad's little girl. He was just, yeah. And um, I got Penny when I was feeling down. She got me out of bed in the mornings. I had to walk her. Um, We had some fun times and she loves going out. She loves it. She's smiling. but all of this changed when penny was attacked by another dog out on a walk and since then she started to react aggressively to other dogs i mean it's interesting um i'm not really a dog a dog person um i'm more of a cat person myself mm-hmm. but i mean you know it it it, it is it is interesting i mean, dogs are a big part of people's lives and they really become part of the family and they aren't they aren't kids, even though people sort of feel like they are and mm-hmm. treat them like one. And so, I don't know. I think I do kind of think it's interesting trying to figure out kind of how to how to dog whisper a, a, a dog. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's, it's 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 it. I don't know. It's interesting. It is
0: fascinating to watch how Graham does it on this show and. I got to say that one thing I really, really love about this show is it's not a mean-spirited reality show. You know how a lot of reality shows are out there to shame people, look at how useless they are. They never should have had a dog in the first place. Right. I think there's a lot of heart in this show. and a lot of depicting dog owners trying their best. It's not showing them being lazy or useless or they don't know anything about dogs. It's like these are people who tried really hard, who have their own backstories, who have their stuff that they're struggling with as well. So the show isn't just about the dogs. It's about the humans too. And I think hopefully what will happen to our letter writer here is that you'll see that everybody, even the best behaved dogs out there, probably behind closed doors, have certain challenges with their humans. There's no such thing as a perfect dog. There just isn't. And that even people trying their best to have challenges with their dogs. So you're not alone. And, you know, maybe the show will even give you a few tips that might help you with your dog. But more than anything, I hope that it helps you to continue that process of accepting that all dogs are different. They're going to be who they're going to be. All we can really do is try our best with them.
1: Well, that that's uh that sounds really good I mean you I mean jeez, you couldn 't have picked a more uh, a spot on uh, recommendation um, I guess there 's a reality show for everything there sure is there really is,
0: <laughs> but reefer, I know you and I know you 're not going to prescribe a reality show. What are you going to prescribe here
1: no right uh well, okay, so mine may not um, hit the nail on the head quite as accurately as as your recommendation, kristen, but i've chosen. A great old movie from 1995. I guess I have to call that old at this point, don't I? Ah. <laughs> um, yikes. A uh, great old movie from 1995
0: called Babe. Oh, Babe, I love Babe so much. Who doesn't love Babe? Oh, my gosh.
1: I know. So I good. Know. I'm, just, I'm really, I'm just going back to the classic movie well here. Um, but, um, yeah, so this is the story of a little pig named Babe, um, little tiny guy. Uh, he's won at a contest uh, by a uh, farmer, Hoggett. Uh, he wins the pig, takes the pig home, introduces him to his uh, coterie of farm animals, all of whom, of course, can speak to each other. Um, And so little Babe meets Fly and Rex, the Border Collies, who will raise him among their own pups, just like he was one of them. Um, There's a duck named Ferdinand. There's uh, Duchess the Cat. So, of course, Babe, being raised by Border Collies, uh, grows up and wants to be a dog and 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 be a shepherd a shepherding dog, just the way his uh parents were, but of course this has sort of this upsets the natural order the other animals uh won't allow this um and but babe insists he's gonna do this, he tries he tries he tries he you know uh, tries to corral the sheep doesn't work that well, but eventually he learns. The code word that allows him to corral the sheep, which is Ba Ram U, and that that unlocks the uh, that unlocks his uh, his shepherding uh, prowess, and so much so that eventually he enters a competition. And here's a clip. I want my mom. <laughs> there,
0: there. You've got to be a brave boy now. I left my mother when I was your age, and my pups will have to leave me soon. But I'll keep an eye on you if you like, just till you find your feet. The little pig's a bit low. He's going to sleep with us. Just till he finds his feet.
1: Until he finds his feet.
0: Nonsense. If you do want to do anything, you'll go outside, won't you? Good boy. Oh, Reefer, my eyes are misty. My heart is full. I know. I love Babe so much. Uh, the, babe is the solution to many problems. It's surprising we haven't prescribed this about 500 times already. I know. But it's our know. first time,
1: right? Well, yeah, I mean, the great thing about Babe is it's, it's really um, – it's, it's cute and it's really sweet. Um, you know, the animal it's, 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 it's got the CGI, even the manipulated uh, animals so that their mouths uh, talk, but it's just, it's really well-written. It's a really sweet, sweet movie. And it, but it's got the same message that I think a lot of these movies have, right? Um, you know, movies like a Billy Elliot or a movie like, um, like an Eddie the Eagle or something, Mm -hmm. you know, you, you, you're the you're the outsider, uh you're the misfit, but you're going to have to be who you're going to be. And um, you know, the only way that that's going to work is if people let you do that, you know, people if people mm. tolerate you, accept you and not try to force you uh the the square peg into the round hole. Granted, you know, if you have a dog with behavior problems, you've got to you have to do something about it as 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 Kristen's recommendation uh, shows. You do have to do something about it, but I do think there's some there's some key there to letting your dog be the dog that it's that it's going to be, and not you know, and not try to not try to force it, and don't be unhappy about it. And again, I think and n for naughty. I think <laughs> this listener has basically, I think this listener has already accepted it. I feel like I, I feel like that comes through in the letter, mm. and so I think I don't know. I think they're going to be okay.
0: Yeah, you are going to be okay. Your dog may, in the end, in its heart, just feel. Like it's a guard lion or something else. It just, you know, maybe, maybe it's like Babe and thinks it's a different animal. But, yeah, the fact that you're accepting your dog, th- that's, th- that's the first and most important step. So I love that recommendation, Rafer. I love it for everything. Well, thank you.
1: <laughs> I know. I know. That's so true. Okay. So to recap, our recommendations are from Kristen, dogs behaving very badly. And from me, Babe. All right. We are going to take
0: another quick break. But before we do, huge thanks to all of you out there who keep rating us with five stars in Apple Podcasts. For example, Mikey T 18 recently gave us five stars and wrote, The positive connection that the two of you have for each other spills over into the listening audience. Am I a fan of every movie you recommend? No. However, I am a fan of every one of your conversations and I enjoy continuing the conversation with my friends who also listen to your show. Well, thank you, Mikey
1: T18. I hope I get to meet you one day because I just want to say, "Yo, Mikey T!" <laughs> It's such a perfect name. I feel like I feel like you must be from Boston or oh, something. I love or, it. You know? I I, love I, it. I I don't know. That'd be great. It'd be great to know someone named Mikey T. Yo, it's <laughs> Mikey T.
0: <laughs> well, Mikey T and everybody else stay with us because when we're back, we have our what should I watch next letter of the week. All righty, Rafer. We are back with our What Should I Watch Next letter of the week. What does our letter writer have to say this week, Rafer?
1: All right. This one comes from Jennifer. Jennifer says, Dear Rafer and Kristen, my daughter and I have really enjoyed watching Gilmore Girls and Jane the Virgin together. The combination of a smart female protagonist and a very close mother-daughter relationship really checked all the boxes for us. We also loved the feel-good nostalgic feelings these shows evoked. We would love some movie recommendations that would check these same boxes. What should we watch next?
0: Mm, what a fun letter. A mother-daughter TV watching team, watching mothers and daughters on TV together. I think that's so nice. I, I have great memories of watching TV with my mom growing up, although she did have some questionable taste. Like when I was very young, she made me watch The Day After, and that gave me nightmares for years.
1: Oh, the nuclear uh, nuclear Holocaust movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Don't make your eight-year-old watch that for crying out loud. Don't
1: do that. <laughs> Look, it was the Cold War, Kristen, and this is, it's important for you to know that stuff.
0: <laughs> we also watched lots of, what were they called? ABC uh, made-for-television movies. And, oh, Sure. Sure. Yeah, we watched a lot of those, like women escaping abusive relationships, women yeah. getting in car accidents, and then yeah, yeah, suing the road makers or whatever they did in those movies. We watched Disease
1: just, of the Week. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah
0: all of those. Sure. Yeah, we watched yeah. all of those growing up, my mom and I. But uh, it sounds like Jennifer watches more wholesome fare with her daughter. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Certainly more uplifting.
0: Yes. So, Rafer, what are we going to recommend to Jennifer?
1: Well. I don't know if this is this is this is not a perfect recommendation. This is not this is not going to this is not going to quite check all those boxes. But I'm going to recommend the series Veronica Mars with Kristen Bell.
0: Well, yes, that does not check all the boxes, because if I'm not mistaken, mom kind of leaves the
1: show after season one or sometime in season one. I believe she's gone when the show starts. Uh, She's pretty much gone. So this is actually a father daughter. Uh, relationship. But it does have a very smart female protagonist. And, um, you know, it is going back a ways at this point. It's going back to 2004, um, when the show started. But I do think it's a a great little show, and it's got this, you know, as people may know, it's got this massive cult following, even today. Here's the premise. Kristen Bell plays Veronica Mars. She's a high school girl living in uh, Neptune, California, fictional town. And she used to be one of the cool kids. And her dad used to be the sheriff. But that was before the murder of, of Veronica's friend, Lily Kane. Veronica's dad investigated the case, even when that case led to Lily's billionaire father, and accusing a powerful man of involvement like that got the dad in trouble. So Veronica Mars' dad loses his job. Veronica loses her cool status. So now she and her dad run Mars Investigations, a private company that investigates local crimes. So she is a teenage high school sleuth. Here's a clip.
0: Random locker searches. It's the latest tactic the administration has adopted in their losing war on drugs. Except the searches aren't really random. I know when they're going to happen before Vice Principal Clemens does.
1: Veronica Mars should be good. Veronica, will you please open your locker? Buster. Wow. This is a little embarrassing. (laughs)
0: Rafer, people loved this show. The following was obsessive, so much so that you may recall when it was canceled, people essentially were like, we'll crowdfund a sequel. We'll crowdfund a movie. We'll do whatever it takes to bring Veronica Mars back. We'll do anything we can. So you're recommending a show that people very, very ardently love. Once they get into, they don't want to let it go. So this may be just the thing for our letter writer, even though it's not a mother-daughter show, it's still one that really will maybe get you coming back day after day or week after week to watch it.
1: Yes, that's right. You know, and look, whether or not you become a marshmallow, as Kristen Mars fans call themselves, uh, which is a complicated (laughs) reference from the pilot episode, Uh, I had to look that up and figure out why that was it really is uh, just a lot of fun. First of all, I think the the premise is just great, right? The high school kid who's moonlighting it as a private eye is just wonderful. Um, And then I think the fact that it's a girl gives the series something special and something different. I think if you had a guy sleuth, you'd kind of think like, yeah, okay, cool, fun. But I think Veronica being a girl makes her a little extra vulnerable, I think it presents more obstacles. It kind of raises the stakes. I think because that you know it 's kind of the small town and she gets dismissed a lot because she 's a girl that it makes her more of an underdog, so I think you start rooting for her a little more strongly than you would maybe for a guy. And I think what I love about it is that the series is very very deliberately classic teen. They're the rich kids who are called the 09ers because of their zip code 90909. Also, fictional. <laughs> the Mexican motorcycle gang and then there's the then there's like the loners and the nerds and the misfits and then there's Veronica and I love how she somehow kind of has one foot in every every clique and she always knows what's going on in the school and she's always got an in with somebody. Someone always owes her a little debt. You know, and she always knows what's happening, even when her teachers, who are totally clueless, don't know what's happening. So it's it's a little noirish, um, and it's not as upbeat as something like Gilmore Girls or Jane the Virgin. But it's never like it doesn't ever get truly dark or or morbid or morose. So again, I don't know if it's going to check every single box, but I do think that smart female. Uh, her- hero is important and i think it will definitely scratch your teen itch so that's why i'm recommending this
0: Well, i have to say i went in a little skeptical because you know as we mentioned mom isn't necessarily in the show very much
1: <laughs> it's true she's yes but, that's right but
0: uh but but you convinced me rafer that's still okay. a great teen female protagonist centered show that i think they're gonna love
1: okay and kristen what about you
0: All right. I am going to prescribe a much more recent show. And it has been the subject of, I think, a what should I watch next question in the past where somebody said, I loved the show, what should I watch next? But no, I'm actually prescribing the show. It's called Never Have I Ever on Netflix. And the second season was just released very recently. So... I forget, Refer. do you watch Never Have I Ever?
1: No, but I was just over at a friend's house uh, last night, and um, both of her uh, girls, uh, 15 and 13, I think those girls are, were huge fans of this show. And oh, those, good. One of the first things they said to me when I walked through the door was, do you watch Never Have I Ever? <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, so I, I remember thinking, again, uh, I sort of stored that away to uh, try it out on my kids.
0: Oh, that's great. When I hear that teens actually love a show that we're trying to prescribe for a teen and her mother— That means that we're doing good,
1: right? Right, completely.
0: (laughs) So Never Have I Ever centers around Davy. She is a 15-year-old girl from Los Angeles. She's trying to deal with her own grief over her father's death, her Indian-American identity, uh, her – role as kind of a social outcast. They call her a loser at school. And of course, her relationship with her mother, Nalini. Her mother is a very renowned dermatologist in the Los Angeles area, very driven, very beautiful, very successful, and in a lot of ways different from her quote-unquote loser daughter. And along the way on the show, we see the two butt heads, but we also see them hilariously and sometimes embarrassingly try to connect with each other in certain ways. And the show is so good because I I think that in a lot of teen shows, the parents are just a stereotype. And don't get me wrong, Nalini, the mom, is a stereotype sometimes. But she also, you can tell throughout the show, especially in season two, is trying her best, and she really does love her daughter. And these conflicts that exist between the two, you know, they exist between all parents and children, and that doesn't make the mom a bad guy or the daughter a bad guy, but uh, it does make the show very relatable, very funny, and very easy to watch. Here's a clip.
1: When you're old and on your deathbed, whose naked body do you want to be picturing? Wouldn't I be thinking about my kids and grandkids and stuff? No, that's a myth. This is my last chance for an American high school boyfriend. Good morning, Ben. Good morning, Paxton.
0: That's why I have to figure out my boy situation stat. What's the alternative? You just date
1: two guys until you move to India? So you're saying I should just have two boyfriends? Definitely, no. Definitely not. Oh my god. I have two boyfriends. <laughs> I'm on a whole nother level. Ben gets my super brainy side, level. Paxton gets my mega horny I'm on a whole level. side. You kissing? Your father's ashes have barely begun to drift out to sea. I just got overcome with emotion. What are you gonna do at my funeral? Just have sex on top of my grave? I pray it's a closed casket. So this sounds, this does sound a little more Gilmore Girls than, let's say, something like a like a 90210 or something like that. It sounds like it's more about the mother-daughter relationship and less about the high school uh, sort of milieu or no? I
0: Well, I would say it's mostly about the high school world. However, oh, okay. Mom is in every single episode and there are, you know, moments of huge growth that happen for Davy because of what happens between her and her mother, not just between her and her friends. So, you know. Full disclosure, this isn't just a mother-daughter show. It is mostly about Davy and her life. But the mom is a very important character here. If she weren't on the show, it would not be the show. This is a show where the mom needs to be a part of it for everything to happen the way it does. So, Got it. Uh, so, yeah, not quite Gilmore Girls, but still, I think, an excellent show. Really fantastic, uh, snappy writing. Mindy Kaling, this this is her show. Yeah. And, and you can really hear it in the humor and see it in the humor and also see it in the heart because there's a lot of heart in this show, too. All
1: right. All right. I'm going to check that out, too, because like I say, I've, I've, I've had people um, recommend that to me, uh, including kids my own age. So uh, <laughs> I, should, I should put that on my list.
0: Nice. So once again, those recommendations are from Rafer, the classic Veronica Mars. That's right. It's almost 20 years old now. So it definitely is a classic. And for me, Never Have I Ever on Netflix.
1: Well, Kristen, that's it. This week's episode of Movie Therapy is done.
0: Wow, it is over with, but it's not really over with. Reminder, you can always connect with us on our Facebook community, facebook.com slash groups slash and Kristen, where there's always great conversations happening. And before we go, we always like to thank our wonderful network, Airwave Media, which we're a part of. Visit airwavemedia.com to listen and subscribe to their other fine shows like Food with Mark Bittman and The Projection
1: Booth. Until next time, I'm Ray for Guzman. And I'm Kristen Meinzer. Thanks for listening.
0: Bye-bye.